to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is, well, it's not exactly Sugarland, Texas. Uh, so grab a globe, spin it around, bang, find out where you are, and uh, go ahead and get in the uh, Laura Vortex, and it'll probably blow you just a little bit east of uh, Houston. So uh, southeast side of Texas is Houston, southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, and we are in various uh, homes uh, around that area. So, still in the COVID 19, but man, we got lucky and we have a tropical storm coming on us as well. So, we're actually doing this uh, a day early, but hey, we're men, we, we adapt, and we're so glad that you found us. You might have found us on pray.com. Uh, we're also on uh, Facebook at Man-Up. We have a website, which is at man-upspiritualoasis.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and all the podcasts and even some uh, new uh, bonus material is on SoundCloud under Man-Up. And we, we have that under Men Matters. And so we're so glad that you're here. And <clears throat> the thing about it is, this, what we do is we take your basic ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, uh, or actually Sunday School lesson, and uh, we go ahead and discuss it with the panel, uh, read a little bit of scripture, and then dive deeper in and unpeel it like an onion, update it, and also uh, put a little man spin on it. The great thing about Man Up, we're not pastors, we're just regular guys, and this is the kind of discussion you can't get anywhere else. It's typical a small group, and especially with the pandemic that's going on, even we have had to adapt by doing, doing this by teleconferencing, so <clears throat> we're so glad that you choose to spend a little bit of time with us. Each of us are on this uh, uh faith journey and the great thing about this panel is that each guy is a little bit different so you might identify with one of the guys more than the others and my name is Bill Cox I'm the director of Man Up I'm a basically a writer um, actor sales guy kind of work as a uh, as a contractor too uh, we have also uh, our producer uh, is Mr. Steve Titch and he's a uh, world-class policy writer uh additionally a bit of a professional gambler as well so um <clears throat> we have a uh, fortune 100 world-class trainer uh kind of the class theologian uh we call him the professor robert koshu is with us and we also have a an attorney he can't have uh anything without in this litigious society without a lawyer yep. and uh he's a great guy uh but he's also a prosecutor so he can defend you or throw the book at you mr michael cropper we call we him call the him judge. judge we are in lesson 12. this particular one is called the power of prayer we're finishing up the daniel uh study which is then connects 360. it's by baptist way press it's called faith under fire and we use different publications for if you'll notice man up we we do series we did the ten commandments and now we're finishing up with daniel we've done david we've done a ton of different publications and uh this has been great and so i want to go ahead and just get around go around the room and uh get the not only the impression an overview of this particular lesson and maybe your thoughts about the study of Daniel itself and uh, we'll start with uh, 
Michael Cropper. All right, Bill. Yep. Um, brief history, short history. I like to do that. Uh, folks, you remember we have been looking at Daniel and Daniel and his dreams. Uh, first two dreams that Daniel actually interpreted were for King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the next dream was for his grandson, Belshazzar. Now, after those three dreams, uh, we're in book, I think, starting chapter seven, uh, the, the dreams and the visions turn to Daniel himself. And, and the interesting thing about that is, while Daniel is able to interpret the dreams for King Nebuchadnezzar and his, again, his grandson Belshazzar, he is not able to interpret dreams for himself. He has to seek the Lord uh, to help and get understanding for the dreams he has, which in fact he did for the other, other ones as well. But anyway, Daniel's first vision, we've already uh, covered one time he receives while he's sleeping. It's about Babylon's future, where he is, where he is uh, um, uh, a captive in Babylon. And in his first dream he receives, he sees four creatures that represent four kings that conquer and rule over Babylon. And uh, Daniel's second vision is probably an extension of a previous vision and involves more de details of the kings who will again conquer and reign over Babylon. And uh, if you remember, they were represented by a ram and a goat with horns uh, representing many nations. And then uh, the, Daniel's third dream comes to him while he is pleading and interceding to God for the sin of Israel. Israel is getting ready to go back. Um, Jeremiah has prophesied it. I believe Isaiah has prophesied it. And after 70 years of being captives in the land of Babylon, they're going to go back. And Daniel uh, falls on knees and pleads and intercedes for them and their sin, which they committed, which caused them or landed them in Babylon. Now, the dream itself, which Daniel receives an interpretation, is, is quite large, and it's a prediction that uh, an anointed one will come to Israel. I think Steve went into that pretty, pretty strongly about it. And the time frame begins when an order goes out for Israel or for the Jews themselves to return and restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And uh, a certain time frame consisting in, and again, Steve made a big point about this, which is true. If you read the passage with us, there are many sevens in it, and they appear to be each, each year stands for either a week or a year. But for the most part, we believe that they represent years of seven years as uh, seven years times 62 and on and on. Just a whole bunch of numbers in the last lesson. Then um, finally, today's lesson. Um, it, it's quite interesting, and I'm rushing because Lord, uh, we have some to discuss, and we do want to get through with this and not keep everybody too long. But today's lesson uh, involves another vision which Daniel had. Daniel explains that he pleads with God about an understanding of the vision, and we will go into the vision shortly. I think Bill will read the, the lesson to you. In this, he appears to see two individuals, one who is maybe similar to Christ or an angel, and then another person who helps him and interprets the vision for him. And my interpretation of this lesson, Bill, is that sometimes it just takes time to get an answer from God. Okay. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, Mr. Steve Titch. Oh, um, Mike just gave a good wrap-up, and la last week I kind of said, uh, to use the, the Occam's razor approach, um, that uh, without getting into the whole numbers, just look at basically what's being talked about, and I think I said it was the fact that uh, a, a Messiah would come, he would, re he would meet resistance, uh, but in the, and, in the end, and would appear to be defeated, but then in the end would triumph. Um, and uh, which I think this <laughs> indeed prophesized. Um, there's also um, this section. This section we're going to read is kind of a prelude to the to a long vision, a long dream that pretty much takes us to the end of the book of Daniel, the uh, chapters ten, eleven, and twelve. Uh, and what I think we should keep in mind here, in light of all the imagery we're going to get, is that. This is a revelation of spiritual warfare. Um, every so often with the prophets, uh, the curtain is pulled back, so to speak. 
uh, and they see something that they do not even have the vocabulary to express. And we, I mean, we could be, look at that as the burning bush in Exodus, Moses, the ex Ezekiel chapter one, the, we, the, the wheels and the beasts and the spinning bronze flames, all of that. It, it, it's a completely puzzling vision even for our readers today. Um, so what he saw, I think, was simply beyond his ability to communicate. Likewise, Daniel, what we get here, we get some more concrete stuff as we go through. But really, um, I think what we get into here is what Paul would, would succinctly sum up in Ephesians, the idea of spiritual warfare, the idea that we are struggling against spiritual forces of an evil uh, of evil in the heavenly realms, uh, which is, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll wrap up here for now, but this is a tough thing for we Christians, because now we're, now we're getting to the realm of kind of angels and demons. It's issues we don't, you know, things we don't like to deal with and are very uneasy with dealing with, not only, you know, certainly with people who are non-Christians and definitely even with people who are Christians. Excellent. Uh... Robert Kosha, your overview. So we're once again in the realm of apocalyptic literature. And just want to read, and I'm going to have a real short one, Paul House um, from the commentary, Tyndale Old Testament commentaries, Daniel. He is the professor of divinity at the Beeson Divinity School in Sanford University. And I read this several times, but it's just one of those I always like to think when we look at this that hundreds of books, articles, sermons, lectures, media presentations have been written about these. It has been treated both honorably and unethically as most simple heavy biblical passages have been. Many interpreters have heard good and bad readings of this passage. Thus, one ought to be cautious and humble when drawing conclusions from it. And, and I always like to do that when we set this up because these are... You know, it is it spiritual warfare? Yeah, it is. 100% agree with that. But man, trying to figure out what all that means and, you know, and, and reading good and bad interpretations of it, you know, that, that gets really interesting because I've read everything from this represents what happens after the rapture during um, what's referred to in as by some as the tribulation or the great tribulation to this is all referring to events around the Greek and Roman empires and talk about two wildly different variations of this. Those are probably as widely variant as you can get as you look at it. And so I think having that humble and cautious approach as we start discussing it, it's always important for us to keep in mind as we look at these because they are very, they're very different pieces as we go through. So back to you, Bill. Excellent. Thank you, Professor. And, you know, um, my no church answer tour uh, for this kind of thing for me is not so much the prediction of what Daniel makes. But it's the way he prays, I think, is what I take from this particular lesson. I mean, I kind of sympathize with Kyle uh, when he said, uh, <clears throat> talking about these different visions and stuff. I don't totally get that either. But what I do get is that Daniel was a man of faith. And he not only prayed, but he prepared himself to pray. And, you know, something I never even really thought of, um, but just going through and uh, as he has these visions, and, and like, I, I think it was you, Steve, that, that said that he had these visions, he could interpret other people's but he couldn't interpret his own. It was, it was Mike. Or it was Mike that said mm -hmm. that. Uh, sorry, sorry, Mike, for a <laughs> short know, change. In you. But 
and, and the thing about it is that a uh, question that I have, and maybe some of the guys out there might have too, why? If you can interpret somebody else's dream, I, I would assume that you have not only insight into dreams, but how to interpret them as well. And I just wonder if maybe he didn't, he didn't want to interpret his dreams or just couldn't uh, interpret them. So, I mean, just a couple of, you know, non-church uh, observations that I had, but also questions that I had uh, about this. And uh, we're going to have the, uh, the scripture here uh, um, next. Daniel 10, 1 through 21. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river of the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Upaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and I listened to him. I fell into a deep sleep. My face hit the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you, and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had said this to me, I stood up, trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face towards the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My, my strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go... The prince of Greece will come. But first, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. All right. And uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, give take our first break. This is Man Up. We will be right back. 
You are listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest-growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 168. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys, and we're on this No Church Answer World Tour as we go through... uh, the scriptures, and basically ask questions and that that you probably wouldn't ask. <laughs> and uh, we're in Daniel. We just read the scripture that was from Daniel 10, 1 through 21. And uh, <clears throat> my very first impression, I mean, <clears throat> after the scripture was, when I, obviously when I read it, I read it the first time. I didn't understand it, um, and I, I read it a second time, and you know, I, I still didn't really understand it. But, <clears throat> but what I did understand is how much Daniel prepared for this prayer. Uh, the fact that he was fasting, um, and it said in uh, uh, verse two. He mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice foods, no meat or wine touched my lips. And, and I used no lotions at that time. And, and I thought that was kind of odd until <clears throat> I was reading farther along in the commentary that talked about how such a dry climate, no AC. And imagine that not only did he fast, but he made sure that his skin uh, was uncomfortable. That, and I just, I just thought that that is powerful. And uh, I mean, that, that's that's how the the scripture uh, uh, really hit me on how much how serious Daniel was about this and how uh, about this prayer and preparing for that and uh go ahead and uh get michael cropper uh your yeah, overall that, of that. No, no no that's a good question bill i still haven't quite distinguished is the revelation that daniel received and the vision of the interpretation the figure in the paragraph the second paragraph in other words has he been has he been fasting and praying for three weeks and then this vision of the Christ-like figure comes to give him the interpretation. It's to me, it's kind of vague what we're saying here because he says, "I received a revelation." And by the way, it is about a great war, and that's what these visions have been from the very beginning, practically, are wars and who will conquer and who will control uh, Babylon. But yeah, I think I think it's a great, uh, interesting thing there that you brought up. Um, it says that he he's standing, and this is the second issue that I see here, he's standing on the Tigris River. Is that part of the vision, or is he really truly standing there? Because he says, my my companions, he, they didn't see the vision, but they ran away. So to me, he's actually, he, first of all, he is still eating, so he's not completely fasting from all food. He's still eating. And I don't know that the, the, the author seems to think that for three weeks he's kneeling on his hands and, and face praying, but I don't think that's the case at all. I do think he's praying quite a bit. And and then, he, like I said, he says, I'm standing on the Tigris River when a vision comes to me. So you never know, or he never knew when God was going to create the answer to his prayer or the vision. But he says a vision comes to me, and apparently there's something, an aura about it or something that his friends become aware of or see or experience, and they run away, they run and hide. And it, it reminds me of Paul. You all remember the apostle Paul, when he was Saul, and he was on the road to Damascus, and Christ came to him in a vision and a bright light shone on him. 
his companions could not hear Christ, hear the voice, but apparently they could see the light. Now, it doesn't say that they ran away, but apparently there's an awareness of the Lord that, that people around you, you may see and talk with the Lord visually and verbally, but the others around you may just be aware of his presence. And I'm not sure what that is. But I think those are two great issues you brought up, Bill. So Excellent. Comment? Yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, Steve Titch. Well, I, maybe I'll, I'll throw this over to, to Robert and, and Mike. Is, yeah. is the figure uh, that appears, or one of them, there are two figures, uh, th- you might say God the Son. Like we saw, we talked about this when we, we, we did the story of the furnace, and, and pretty much there's a, there's a general consensus that they, that may have been uh, God the Son, the Son part of the trilogy, the uh, Trinity. Uh, that appeared in the furnace and walked around with the with the young men. Is this an angel? Because it, there seem to be some limitations he has. Um, but uh, you know, and and uh, in the yes, the author of the book says it could go God go either way. It seems to me more like an angel or an angelic figure who is again. And here's here's where it gets a little difficult because. We are shown this picture of angels working on earth or, you know, in, in, in our midst. And, you know, how literal do we want to take this? Um, and, and I'm leaving that as an open semi-rhetorical question that can be picked up uh, because it's very, it's very, in some cases, you, you know, you, you go down that road and you say, okay, are there, are there angels by our side? Are there devils or demons by our side? And then that, again, takes us toward uh, Ephesians where, where Paul is a little more, he's more figurative in one respect, but he's definitely more concrete. He does, he does literally talk about putting on the armor of God to fight against these uh, princes and principalities uh, and these, you know, dark figures in this kind of celestial war, which which Daniel kind of here begins, and I said, will begin to present over the next few chapters, and we've already seen touches of in the previous visions. Um, do we, you know, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Paul for a minute because we've turned that armor of God passage into a into a children's sermon and a, and a pageant. You know, we get almost every church at some point breaks out the, you know, the Roman armor. But Paul, we, we've infinitized, infinitized it. We, we've, child, we've made it childish. Paul was writing to an audience that this is equipment what the centurions walked around with. And my challenge is see that letter and imagine a modern day American soldier with Kevlar, his shield, with not a sword, but an M16, with a belt of ammo and equipment. It it translates very well. There's a helmet. There's I was going to chime chime in um, on this. This (laughs) this idea of do you have, I mean, are, how much, and, and, and I've heard faithful people talk about kind of the screw tape letter type thing, once they begin really getting into doing the work of God, they, they run into strange forms of resistance. Sometimes they over, you know, they often overcome it, but is, is how, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the big church question. How literally do we take um, spiritual warfare? Are there, are there angels and demons at work literally? Are there forces working for us and against it? And I'll take us back to last week when I said, God, we get this vision of God, this awesome God who's going to win this battle and whose side we really want to be on because there's cosmic importance involved. So I jokingly, semi-jokingly, threw threw on a little bit of my uh, PPE. (laughs) So I work for an oil and gas company as a corporate trainer. Um, So I get made fun of because when I go to the field, my hat is way too clean. (laughs) <laughs> no one has a white hat like this when they go to the field. 
and I have my safety glasses on. And I've actually joked with this year, um, our youth is scheduled to study the spiritual warfare thing, and I'm going to put on my uh, my full PPE gear, which is also a shirt and a pair of jeans that basically what you don't want to do is have to wear them to New Orleans in the middle of summer like I've had to once or twice out on the dock when it's 115 degrees because they're so thick, you know, and the right kind of gloves and potentially everyone's familiar with masks now, but they're very specific masks. Um, we have respirator fits that we have to be fitted for a respirator in certain areas to wear. And, and do we, why do we do it? What's the chances that when I'm out with my guys, something's going to happen? Pretty slim, actually, because I'm wearing what's called FR clothing, flame-resistant clothing, or arc flash clothing. Why do I have it on? Because something could happen. And so as Christians, I'm with you, Steve. Everyone should read Screwtape. I will highly recommend the Screwtape letters because I think there is a vast spiritual warfare that we don't see that goes on behind the scenes. And I think this passage really emphasizes that. So what are we called to do? Where are PPE? And Paul lists the armor of God in the Ephesians passage. But how do we, how do, we do that? Because it's literally not a breastplate of righteousness and the sword, which is the spirit of God or the word of God and all of that that we, that we have that's physical manifestations of all that. We do that by exercising our faith muscle. You know, we always talk about that. You have to exercise your faith muscle. How do you do that? Bible study, prayer, corporate worship, scripture meditation, service to others, sacrificial giving. And as you do those things, that actually puts you on the right path to putting those things on because what you do is you draw yourself closer to God. Um, when I refer to meditation on scripture, part of what I refer to is not only meditation, but memorization of the scripture. Because things come to happen, and you kind of think, oh, wait, 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 wait. You know, you know we, all, we always talk about iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17. You know, so that we can do that. And I think that's how we prepare for this spiritual warfare, as we go through. Because but, the, we, but we also mm -hmm. engage in it. Everything, everything you're describing oh, is, train, is like training for, but, and... And I'm going to go as far as now. The, of course, the, where you, if you if you get into Paul's passage too much, you get into some militaristic aspects, and they can, and and it can be definitely misread. But what I can't misread is that you're also carrying a sword. I mean, you, your PPE example is good, but your PPE is all personal protection. That's what it is. <laughs> um, yep. We're supposed to be out there. Actually, there's a there. We're supposed to also be playing offense. Um, we're supposed to be fighting for that, for those square, and to, to, for that each square inch, which which are you know our enemy. You could call it Satan, or you could call it the forces of darkness. Um, the, though the the adversary in this war that is mentioned in this passage of Daniel, we are we are to be fighting. Uh, so it's so that's and and that's where it gets tricky because you know you don't we're. I, I think our that's that's kind of the great paradox because Paul's weapons are love, mercy, forbearance, forgiveness. They're not the weapons of your typical soldier. <laughs> well, and it's funny because what's the sword in that's, in the mm -hmm. armor of God? It's mm -hmm. the word of God. It's the word, word of God. God. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so it it's it's the other stuff is there to protect you, but the only weapon you're supposed to go out with is the word of God. Yeah, it's part of your faith. Go ahead. But Mike. the thing, the thing about it is, and to answer what Steve brought up, my uh, my basic interpretation is this: you don't use the sword until you're in a, a crisis, and that's pretty much uh, what the man, man's calling is: is when there is a crisis that the man uh, shows up or brings his offensive talents to the fight. Up until then, I'm, I'm, it's typical just defensive uh, maneuvers using uh, Robert's uh, flame-resistant uh, clothing as an example. It's all defensive gear. 
until there's a crisis. Then he is to not only use his uh, the gear that he has, but also his knowledge and bring his sword to the fight, to the crisis, to take care of people, the crisis itself. I, I would like to point out a couple of things if, if you guys don't mind. Just uh, Steve, Steve made a, a great point. He says, I want to be on God's side. He's winning the war. He's going to win the war. Um, but my question to you guys, how real is it? Was the war in heaven physical or was it spiritual? Or was it both? It's I think a, was it another, I'll, Let me give, let me throw some yeah. questions. It's another dimension. We know that. Okay. Uh, good and evil is a war. The, the, the author of our lesson makes a little comment there that, heck, and, and by the way, this is a great issue. I know you guys, we would want to talk about is why did it take 21 days for Gabriel to get to, uh, pardon me for, yeah, Gabriel, whoever it is, the person to get to Daniel, and why did Michael the Archangel have to come down and help him? Well, help, evil versus good is a war. God didn't snap his fingers and Lucifer fall out of heaven. They fought. There was a battle. And the like I was going to say, the author seems to think that Jesus, if that was Jesus there that was in the image and he was actually coming down to Daniel, he, he could have, he could have won instantly. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not from everything we've seen, uh, especially in Revelation. There is a war, and it does take some time between good and evil for good to overpower evil. I, do, I don't, From what I can see, God doesn't just snap his fingers and it happens. So anyway, those are great issues to talk about. Now, Robert, I'm sorry. You want to? Oh, no. I, 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 think it, I think it's both. I think there is a spiritual warfare, and I think the, the war in heaven there, like you said, Mike, I think there was a definite physical piece to that that, yeah. that takes place. And, and, and I think that that war over the souls of mankind or that war over between good and evil, like you said, exist and will continue to exist to all time. One of the problems I have with universalism and utopians is you know, they think well, we're all just going to talk it out and it'll all be good. Mm, there's real evil. So. There, there's real evil in the world. And that real evil, you can't talk with it. You can't reason with it. You can't do anything with it. And that's probably a good point to take our next break. Excellent. And uh, we are going to take that break. And this is podcast number 168. Man Up, Special Oasis for Men. We will be right back. Pray.com is the fastest-growing Christian app that brings you daily prayer and Bible stories that inspire, educate, and help you sleep. Download Pray.com to make prayer a priority in your life. But did you know there are other offerings? Say you're not sleepy and are looking for something a little more challenging, and you're not interested in the typical church answers. We have that for you as well. Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men not pastors, just regular guys, have brought their faith-based No Church Answers Tour podcast to Pray.com. Listen to thousands of inspirational audio content like ours today. So to be inspired, challenged, ministered on your faith walk, or just soothed to sleep by timeless Bible stories, Pray.com and its many selections is the app for a person just like you. Daily prayer and Bible stories to inspire, educate, and help you sleep. Make prayer a priority in your life and download Pray.com today. And welcome back to Span Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys. And we are going through, this is a Baptist Way publication called Connect 360. Uh, this is the 12th lesson that we've had in Daniel. This particular one is uh, uh, titled The Power of Prayer. And we kind of went down, uh, and, and, and we're guys, uh, kind of going down this rabbit hole about spiritual warfare. And uh, I guess Mike uh, brought up uh, the point about whether it is uh, spiritual or physical. And I, I was just thinking about it during the break, and I'd like to uh, 
to hear uh, Steve Titch's uh, uh, view on it, but I kind of agree with uh, with Professor. I, I, I think it's both. I think it may start out as uh, spiritual, but as it escalates, uh, even spiritual warfare uh, becomes physical, for lack well, of a be better yeah, term. Hey, Bill, before Steve, Steve answers that, I know he's, he's loading up, but the question here, does it start in our mind also? That's another thing too, because uh, one of the books Joyce Myers does is Battlefield of the Mind. So does this fight, if the spiritual part of it begin in our mind. That's just, just a thought to think about. I, I hmm. think so. I, I, again, it's, it's really tricky stuff because you don't want to be the freakazoid in the room. And I'm not going to go out, I'm not going to stop and say here, yeah, I really can't say if there are, you know, invisible demons running around um, trying to, you know, get in our way. However, there, there, there are definitely enemies of God out there. That's undeniable. And there's, and I'll go with, with, with Robert. Yes, evil is real. Um, I do think that also um, largely, certainly humans as they get toward adulthood uh, tend towards sin. I mean, there's, there's, there's an imperfection in the world. Uh, what stokes that imperfection? Um, you know, it's it's theological, and again, the 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 in some ways you don't have to see something, but you certainly see the effects of things going on. And uh, like I said, every now and then in the Bible, the veil gets pulled back, and the vocabulary isn't there. And I don't think we have the vocabulary there. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Bible makes clear who who's in charge and the nature of that god in charge what that god is like and it's not it's a it's a god of mercy it's a god of love and those are the attributes of his kingdom and uh, that's that's what we've got to go on here it's kind of what it comes down to um again how it, it's like debating or talking about the book of daniel itself I don't think it's that important as to how you want to interpret the visions, uh, whether they mean Rome or Greece, whether they mean Napoleon, whether they mean Nazi Germany, whether they mean some great Armageddon to come. I think, I think what's there is that uh, the message of it, there is a battle, uh, there's a good side and an evil side, and the good side is clearly defined here. What what the values are, clearly, um, you know, and not everybody who's on God's side in the Bible lives up to those values. Um, that 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 makes them interesting. We've looked at we've looked at David, we've looked at Daniel here, we've looked at scores of figures uh, who are not perfect. And who have this, who are like in their minds even torn between the corruption and, and goodness. But at the end of the day, the Bible makes clear whose side you should be on and whose side's going to win and why. And so, so again, after bringing up all these questions, I'm going to say, look, I don't know if there are demons and angels running around sitting next to me, but I do know that we as Christians are called to be agents of God and agents of our Lord Jesus Christ. Excellent. As we're coming down to the end of uh, this particular lesson, and uh, just want to go around the room one final time. Uh, I know many of you out there are hurting, and if uh, we have a uh, a significant group of uh, support that's uh, from the Sherland Baptist Church, and they're like us, and we have a uh, tropical storm that's bearing down on us. That's why we're doing this uh, podcast a day early, uh, also in a pan middle of a pandemic. So uh, we're, we're, we're praying for you, and we're praying for ourselves as well. And I just want to go around the room 
and get uh, some final thoughts from the guys and maybe talk about uh, crisis management and spiritual warfare and start with uh, you, Michael Cropper. Yeah, Bill, I'm, I'm looking at this and uh, what, what's the man, man up take home in this? I think Steve uh, hit on a lot of great points. It's not all about necessarily Persia or, or Hitler or all the things that we face in. Those are really just the, what the symptoms of evil, for lack of a better term, uh, those are those are what the the what we can actually see, or those are the observations we can make when 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 evil is running a particular, um, I guess, set of plans or procedures. Now, what my take home from this, I, I guess, is again looking at the uh, the 21 days it took for these messengers to get to Daniel. I, I see that by far prayer is the medium to speak to God. What if we don't learn anything else, folks, prayer works. Now the answer may not come in, in one day or one hour or 30 minutes. It may take a week. It may take a, two weeks, but folks, if any of, those, any of you are out there have been asking God for an answer for a long time, I think the answer to this, and if you watch, if you read Daniel with is don't give up. Don't stop praying. Seek earnestly. If it's part of your heart and you really, really want an answer from God, seek him and don't quit. The answer may be around the corner, maybe one minute from now before you give up. So don't give up. Don't quit. And above all, I do want to encourage you to pray for your family members. Pray for your parents. Pray for your Sunday school director. I'm right, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Pray for your fellow uh, uh, podcast members. In this case, I would say, but anyway, right. don't, and your children, of course. Pray for your children. If you have grandchildren, pray for them. And and even if you don't think the seal, the prayer went out of the ceiling of your house, don't judge that. That's not for you to judge. Just continue to pray and seek God's face and seek an answer from Him. Excellent, uh, Judge. And uh, Steve Titch, well, your takeaways. I'm glad we picked up on because we did, we did really, there is a lot about prayer in this and certainly the, the right, and, and Daniel takes it to a, to a very serious degree in terms of fasting and, and even you know, enduring some discomfort. But yes, that, the, the, I guess part of the story is that his prayer is answered. Um, in an unusual way, but he gets he gets some clarity, um, or he gets maybe that's the wrong word. He gets an answer, and he even gets some interpretation, and he gets a he gets some some certainly some heavenly insight, which is about as good as you can expect. Some you know, other people just maybe want a, a you're praying for a good night's sleep or a a day without being in physical pain or a a re rebuilt relationship. So uh, if, if, all, if, if this can be accomplished for Daniel, I think the Lord can, can certainly meet whatever your need is. Excellent. Uh, Professor, your takeaways uh, from this lesson. Yeah, I, I really think spiritual warfare is real. I do think that, um, and if you don't believe evil exists in the world, take a look around. I would also recommend the book um, by M. Scott Peck, uh, People of the Lie. He's known for the book, The Road Less Traveled. He wrote a follow-up book to that called People of the Lie, and he talks about evil in the world. Um, but we're called as men to really, like, like Mike said, pray, not only that, but be ready to be active participants in that through prayer and through confronting evil and being ready to serve our fellow men and fellow human beings. Um, it, 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 I, I like to joke about it. It's hard to pull the sword on someone when they're hungry because all they see is the sword and the word of God. But if we go and give them something else, food, water, they meet those other needs, then we earn the right to actually give them the sword of God at that point or the word of God. 
And I think that's one of the big lessons we can take from this. Outstanding. Um, this has been a difficult time being in the pandemic, but we're so glad that you have spent your time uh, with us uh, doing the podcast. And for any of you that are out there uh, that are in harm's way uh, with the storms, uh, hunker down. And because uh, that's what we're going to be doing as well. And, and pray. Uh, pray for your, uh, your community, your family, uh, your friends. Uh, and, and I believe exactly what, uh, what professor said and, uh, and Steve and, and, and the fellows here in podcast number 168, uh, spiritual warfare is real. And when you're going into warfare, forewarned, is forearmed and on behalf of uh, producer steve titch michael cropper uh, professor robert koshu my name is bill cox <clears throat> we're so glad that you've uh, taken the time to be a part of man up uh spiritual oasis for men podcast number 168 whether you found us on pray.com uh apple podcasts our website which is man up spiritualoasis.com where we also have blogs and additional uh, material as well or found all of our podcasts on soundcloud we we totally appreciate it i want to encourage each and every one of you to join or <clears throat> while we're still in the quarantine if you would like to see a uh, a traditional uh baptist uh church sugarland baptist church is on youtube it's also on uh <clears throat> on facebook and slbc.org uh, and at 945 on Sunday uh, we invite you to participate in that and once the pandemic and quarantine is over uh, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local bible-based church why local so you'll go go and participate and find a small group where you can actually study the scripture and discuss it like we do here and uh, find one that is men only. And if there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You've got answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.